0: Be arm in arms together. They don't come to church just to spectate, right? It's about being together. When we sing songs, hopefully the words mean something, right? And sometimes our hearts aren't there, and singing helps us get there. Loving one another, loving God first, and loving one another. And really, our, our series about friendship. Uh, it's something that we feel like is very important in all of our lives. All of us want to have those deep friendships, don't we? And in life, sometimes it can be hard to find. And quite honestly, you can't have the deepest relationship of every single person. And maybe in life, you only have maybe a handful of those soul-to-soul, knit-together relationships. But you know what? We always have to work on them. And, uh, and the Bible gives us great examples of Friendships. And today we're going to look at one of those examples uh, of two guys that forge an incredible relationship. And I would, I would say it's probably one of the most intimate, inspiring relationships in all of Scripture. And we're going to look at the relationship between David and Jonathan today. And hopefully, as we, as we look at their friendship and how it came about, hopefully you can be inspired in your life to not only have friendships like this, but to really pray for them and to really forge them because they don't just happen naturally. they got to be forged. we got to work on our relationships. And hopefully this study of, of David and Jonathan uh, will help us grow in our ability to be closer to one another. Uh, so let's say a prayer before we, before we dive into our, our scriptures. Father, we are grateful that you love us first. We wouldn't even know what friendship was or love. We wouldn't know anything like that. If it weren't for you. You have established love in this world. And I pray that we can reflect that type of love, that type of humility and loyalty and sacrifice. Father, I pray that this morning, as we look at David and Jonathan, that we can be inspired, really. That we can allow the scriptures to, to show us the path to forging great godly relationships. So use this morning, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, as you know, I'm, I'm not used to all this fancy PowerPoint stuff like that, but we got new screens and all this stuff. I got to get with the program, you know what I'm saying? So I can't just use my Bible and go for it. I'm going to try to, you know, use the, use the PowerPoint. And so we, we, we take our soul to soul. We get that from 1 Samuel 18 in one of the translations. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. This is the first recorded in scripture moment that David and Jonathan are together. This is the first time Scripture records them kind of interacting with one another. Is it possible that they met before this moment? Sure. But this is the first recorded moment David and Jonathan are in the same spot, speaking, communicating together, and it's found in 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. And as I wanted to prepare this message about David and Jonathan, isn't this the most natural place to start when they first meet And so I started here. But when we read that, that is an intense moment. There's a lot going on right there. And if you have no backstory, you kind of don't get it. It loses, I believe, the power that it really has. Because there's stuff that preceded this moment that I think helps make sense of this moment. And I think it's helpful to look at who was Jonathan before this moment. Who was David before this moment? And I think that will help us understand how to have great friendships. And so I want to take a moment to look back a little bit, even before all of this happened. And some of you aren't familiar with the Bible. I totally get that. And We love it when you come. So we're glad you're here. And you might David, Jonathan. I don't really know who those guys are. Well, quick and easy. Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Okay. So he's the heir to the throne. Kind of the prince of Egypt or prince of Israel, if you want to call him that. He's the next guy in line, okay? That's who Jonathan is, the king of Israel's son, okay? And so the first time we really encounter Jonathan, things are bad in Israel, I mean bad. The Philistines, which neighbors them, the people that neighbors them, are just bullying them. I mean bullying them. And Israel's downcast. The Bible even says that Israel doesn't even have weapons to fight with. They're using their their sickles and their farm tools to fight. It says that in Israel there's only two people with swords or spear. Saul and Jonathan. Those are the only two. They have to go to the Philistines to sharpen their sickle. They pay their enemy to sharpen their their farm tools so they can even fight. Bad time. This is is where we find Israel, kind of when we first get introduced to Jonathan. And what we find is Jonathan, he's a guy that's over a thousand men. right? He's in Saul's army, his dad's running things. But he's got a thousand men. And, and, and at some point, Jonathan just gets fed up, I guess, and he just attacks the Philistines. He just attacks them, all right? And then we find out that the Philistines go, oh, okay, and so they assemble kind of their chariots and all that. And then we get this, this kind of moment where we see the men of Israel, they, they saw that their situation was critical. They saw their army was hard-pressed, and they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead and did run. Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So that's the scenario. That's what's going down. So then all of a sudden, Jonathan again gets this idea. He gets an idea. In this, in this setting, Jonathan gets an idea. And he says, you know what? He's got an armor bearer. He goes, you know what? Hey, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I mean, what do you notice about that? Wouldn't you want to be around a guy like that? Now, some of you say, absolutely not. That's the most cockamamie thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's easy for you to say, Jonathan, you're the only one that's got a sword. You know, the armor bearer might have like a little sickle or something or whatever. But hey, this is the deal. What do you notice? But what I see is a guy who remembers who he is. He's fighting for the honor of God. Well, why do you say that, Jeff? Well, notice what he says. Let's go to those uncircumcised fellows. And I think what he's really getting at is, you know what? Circumcision, that's, that shows that we're God's people. That's a sign between, between us and God. You know, we're God's people. And we're hiding out in caves. Those guys don't honor God. They defile God. They defy God. Why are we the ones on the run? You know, I think, I think John had a deep desire to honor God in his life. And, and, and notice, notice his faith. He goes, you know, maybe God will act on our behalf. He doesn't even know for sure. But he's hoping that he will. You know, I, I just took a class this weekend on, in the Old Testament. And we talked about how it's all the prophets. Are, and, and they always kept trying to bring people back. To just really the law. Like what God already said. He's already said it. If we could just live the way God wanted us In Leviticus, there's a great passage. God's talking about this is what happens when you obey. These are great things. When you disobey, this is the bad stuff. But one of the moments God says, when you, when you live the way I want, I want you to live. He says this is Leviticus 26. He says your enemies, they will, you will pursue your enemies and they will flee from you. It says, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. That's Leviticus 26, 7, and 8. Is that what was going through John's mind? We're covenant people of God. Those guys aren't even following God. We've got to do something about it. Maybe, maybe the two of us can make them run. I don't know. Maybe God will work. And notice the armor bearer, man. He's like, you know what? I'm with you heart and soul. And when I read that, I thought he could have said, yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. But I think there's something more there. I think Jonathan's one of those guys, if you get around him, you want to do great things for God, too. You know, and, and I see that in Jonathan's heart and in his character. And I think that helps us make better sense, even, of the passage we, we read about later in 1 Samuel 18. And so what happens when they say, well, let's do this? Well, I don't have time to read it, but basically at the end of the day, this cockamamie plan that Jonathan cooks up, it works out pretty good. They, cl- they have to climb up climb up to get to the enemy, but they them, And God goes with them and wipes them out, sends a panic. The Philistines are running around crazy. They're actually killing each other. And through Jonathan's faith, he, he and his arm bearer, they give Israel a great victory. Jonathan's faith. Who is Jonathan? He's a warrior. He's a leader. He's a man of deep faith in what God can do through him. He's a man who wants to honor God in his life. And then he's a man who inspires people around him. See, that's Jonathan. That's what the writer of 1 Samuel shows. Well, but what about David? Who's this guy David? Well, you know, David, when we first meet him, he's just the youngest son, right, of Jesse. Eight youngest, eight boys, so you know he got plenty of, uh, you know, challenges. Uh, he's out there tending the sheep, right? The older brothers are out there fighting in Saul's army. David's tending the sheep. That's who we, That's who we know who David is, right, when we first find him. Now, obviously, with David, things get, uh, you know, interesting. The most, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, right, is David and Goliath. You remember Goliath. Goliath's the big Philistine, right? He's he's out there challenging all the army of Israel. And let's, let's see if this sounds familiar to you in 1 Samuel 7. Goliath says, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Does that sound familiar? Once again, the Philistines talking trash, right? What about Israel's army? Hiding, scared, fearful. Here we go again. But the interesting thing is this time is that Jonathan is one of the guys that's in fear. What happened to Jonathan? Why didn't he go out and fight Goliath? Why didn't he he just, man, isn't Jonathan the guy to do it? For whatever reason, John, we don't know, but John is definitely there, and Goliath's talking trash, and no one's doing anything about it. And so David, little David gets sent on an errand to, the, to, the, to deliver some food. David shows up, and he hears Goliath talking trash. And David gets a little fired up about it. David's like, who in the world is this guy talking trash about God? And and, and then the men start going, hey, man, hey, here's the deal. The king said if you take Goliath out and you fight him, you don't have to pay taxes. You know, you can get married to one of his kids. And David's kind of upset about that. Why are you talking about what benefits I get? Who cares about that? And then notice what he says. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. Does that sound familiar? You see, David's like, no, we're the covenant people of God. We need to remember who we are. We need to honor God with our lives. We just can't just sit around and not honor God. And David said, I'm done with this. And he goes before Saul, he says, I will fight this guy. And Saul says, you're crazy. (laughs) You're going to get killed. Doesn't matter, right? And we know the story. But how do you talk about David and Goliath and not read this part David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Now he's talking trash? <laughs> this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear, because we don't have any, (laughs) that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Who's David? Does this sound familiar? David's a warrior. He's a man with deep faith in what God can do through him. He's a man who wants to honor God with his life, and he inspires people around him. See, that's who David was. And so when we get to 1 Samuel 18, and it says, after David had finished talking with Saul, where, what, what moment is this? This is right after David and Goliath. This is right after that moment. And Jonathan's standing there, and he's looking at David. And he goes, man, his soul just... <laughs> This is my kind of guy. And they were connected heart to heart. A lot of us want to have great relationships, but here's our problem. In our own personal lives, we're not honoring God and devoted to God sometimes. We want to have great relationships with one another. And we try to distill so much joy and satisfaction out of life in our earthly relationships. But we forget the most obvious point of all. Are you close to God first? You need to get that part down first. We can talk all about David and Jonathan, all the great exploits and all the great moments that they shared, but I think it started because in their individual lives, they cared about honoring God. And And it was obvious. It was obvious. They had an intense relationship with God themselves before their souls were knit together. And this scene could have played out so differently, couldn't it? Think about this scene. Oh my goodness, who's Jonathan? jonathans He's Saul's son. He's the next guy in line. This scene could have been 100% different if both these guys didn't follow God. Imagine, imagine this scene. If, what if you're Jonathan? This scene could easily have been, and after Saul finished talking with David, Jonathan saw them talking and got very jealous of David. Couldn't it have easily said that? And from that moment on, Jonathan decided that he would never let David get above him. It could have easily said that. It could have said, and Jonathan pulled David aside and said, yeah, that's pretty cool what you did with Goliath. Have you heard about what me and my armor bearer did? We went out, we wiped out more than, you just took out one Philistine. Me and my armor bearer, we wiped out a lot more than that. I got my eye on you, bro. Yeah, you had your little victory today. But don't forget, I'm the one, I'm the next guy. I'm the king's son, not you. You just came from the farm, bro. (laughs) Could have easily played out that way. But it didn't. Why didn't it? Because Jonathan honored God in his life, first and foremost. And that's what helped their souls to be knit together. Jonathan makes a covenant with David. I mean, there's so much that we could talk about. But just how David and Jonathan, they decided to really make an agreement with one another. We're going to be connected. I don't care what happens. Forget about all the noise. We're going to be connected. He takes off his royal robe, gives it to David. David is just the guy. He literally was just, he took an Uber over to the lines just to deliver some food. Next thing you know, I mean, David, who's David? He's just a guy that was just running an errand and he's standing in front of the king and the king's son. He just wiped out. I mean, this has to be overwhelming for David. And then Jonathan, the the, the prince of Israel comes and says, brother, here you go. I know this is one of the only swords literally in Israel, but here you have it. Humility. How can a person be so humble when he's got so much to lose? That reminds me of Jesus, by the way. Jesus had a lot to lose to come to save you and me. He gave up a lot more than a sword and a robe, but he did give up, give up a lot to us who were just kinda, who are we? And I think David felt that way, but Jonathan understood that and look at the type of man that Jonathan was, to be giving, to be loving, to have that moment. True friendship requires sacrifice, it really does. And it requires humility but it requires you walking with God if you want it to be tight and deep. And you would think after this moment, now this is the moment after this, surely now this is like, wow, you got, you know, you got one powerful dude over here, another powerful dude over here, they come together, oh man, they're about to go like, shoo, wipe people out. Now this is it, they're gonna bring these two together. That's what you would think would happen, but unfortunately, life doesn't always work that way. Because Jonathan wasn't jealous of David, but somebody else was, And it happened to be the king. The king, Saul, got intensely jealous of David to the point where he tried to kill him, wanted to kill him. And then he even asked somebody to do his dirty work for him. In 1 Samuel 19, Saul tells his son, Jonathan, and all the attendants to kill David. Are you kidding me? But that's where Saul was. Because, see, the Bible had made it... it, Earlier in scripture, we find that the spirit had left Saul. That's what it says. So he's not really, he's not really walking with God. Huh. And now he's having problems in his relationships. But see, Jonathan wasn't going to do that. That was ungodly. That wasn't right. I'm just going kill somebody. So Jonathan warns David. Here's the deal. You know what? In our relationships, if we're going to have deep godly relationships, you know, and make covenants with each other, hey, you know What? We got to We can't be sentimental. We got to We got to uphold our covenants with one another. I mean, Jonathan could have said, David, man, look, dude, I got to Man, my dad, he's my dad. I mean, I appreciate you. You're a good guy. I appreciate all you're doing for Israel. But that's my dad. Okay, so I'm going to kill you. All right. I got to obey my dad. So just, you know, let's just get this over with. You know, he could have done that or he could have done it Godfather style. Go get some cannoli, drive in the car. You know, who knows? He could have done a lot of things. But at the end of the day, he didn't. <laughs> That's not the way he went. He defied his own father. Because of this relationship, this spiritual relationship. And it's scary, but sometimes you have to take a stand even to blood family. <laughs> sometimes you got to do that. Once again, I think Jesus talked about that. In Luke 14, didn't he? Sometimes mother, father, brother, sister, sometimes they don't have in mind the things of God, you know, and sometimes you got to make a choice. And, I, and that's what true friendship is about sometimes too. Sometimes you got to say no to your aunt or your uncle or whatever in order to maintain godly relationships. And it's never easy and it's not fun, but that's sometimes what it takes to have soul to soul relationships and maintain them over time. Jonathan did not get sentimental in this moment. He warned David. And things got worse, guys. It got got bad. And even though David had been anointed the next king after Saul just messing up, he was on the run. He's running. He's hiding. Saul's trying to chase him down. David's got a rough life. And David and Jonathan's friendship could have totally been decimated through this time your dad be trying to kill your best friend and you not be affected okay but jonathan and david fought for their relationship to the point where david and jonathan jonathan said look man i will if if my father tries to do anything to you i'm going to tell you first i don't care if it costs me my life i'm going to tell you first and it comes down to it where jonathan finds out that saul is like bent on killing him got a plan and everything and so now Jonathan tries to tell David, he goes, David, you know what, here's the deal. And they, they set up an elaborate way that David and Jonathan can communicate. And so Jonathan basically communicates through, through this sign that, you know, it's bad, you're going to have to go on the run. And uh, then we pick it up here in 1 Samuel 20, after this, this boy who helped create this sign that they could communicate. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. They kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. What do you think about that? <clears throat> David getting up and, and, and just, just bowing down three times to, to Jonathan. Just what, what a moment, you know. Here's two guys that, that feel like this, this could be it. In their mind, this might be the last time they see each other. They don't know. What, what humility to, to just bow down. Once again, humility, making our friendships great. But then, you know, then they, get, they kiss each other. And I think for guys, this is a struggle point, right? I mean, you know, we start laughing, right? Like, I mean, I love my boy, man. You know, the fist pump, you know? Yeah, one of those, you know? Like, that's kind of where we kind of like to keep it, right? But that's what the text says is is that they kissed each other and wept together. I mean, to me, this is what friendship is about as well. It's it's about being open and transparent with our feelings. And I do think, guys, we struggle with this more. Uh, I think that's more of a challenge for guys. uh, We struggle with being open and transparent. Uh, But but I think that's the key to having great friendships. You got to be able to say, I'm hurting right now. Or I'm sad. I'm so sad right now because this has happened in my life, and, and, and guys, we, we actually grow up thinking, you, you can't cry. You, you can't, you, whatever you do, don't cry, right? I mean, I, I've actually been to sporting events. I mean, I got daughters, you know, and they cry a lot. You know, they lose games, they cry, whatever, right? And, and we don't, I don't have, feel the need, don't cry. I never feel like saying that. Was, whatever, cry if you want to cry. But a lot of times we do play, my kids play soccer and basketball, and, and we're at tournaments where there are boys, and, and, and I've seen guys go after their, their sons that cry. I've seen it. And there, at one point, and one time, I almost went over to this dad, but I felt like he was in a weird place, and it you know what I mean? I, I felt like I wanted to go tell him, you're, you're really going to mess your son up. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. I so wanted to say, I could see his kids' countenance just dropping. And I, just, I just wanted to go talk to him, but I, ah, I, maybe I should have. I don't know. But I, I want to stop here because, you know, David and Jonathan kissed each other. What did that look like? And men, are you, are you uncomfortable with that? Are you uncomfortable that they kissed each other? Now, if you, if you watch the History Channel and some of these shows, they'll, you know, they'll try to argue that they had a homosexual relationship and all that. I mean, I personally don't think they had a homosexual relationship. Uh, My conviction is in the, they were living in the old covenant. My conviction is the old covenant uh, forbade that activity. That's my conviction that what the scriptures teach. And I believe if they were in a homosexual relationship, I believe that did violate what God had said in in the covenant that they were living under. And they wanted to honor God in their lives. I believe that the writer writer Samuel would have quickly said that they were messing up. When when does the Bible ever hide David's sin? Do you know, I mean, if David was was doing something wrong, they would have said he messed up because later on we know he messes up. Adultery, murder, right, he does all that. And the Bible doesn't gloss over it, it just gives you right, here's what he did. So if he was in a, if he and Jonathan were engaged in a relationship that was against the covenant, I think the writer of Samuel would have just laid it out there. So to me, this is not homosexuality. To me, this is same-sex affection, which I think we can grow in, brothers. I think we can grow in that and stop being all weirded out by that. And why do we lift up David as this model of a warrior and, you know, faith and Jonathan David's relationship is is, is a model for all of us, but we kind of gloss over this moment when they kiss each other. What if the, what if this is the model? What if we what if men we what if we learn how to have same sex affection for one another? You know, brotherly affection for one another. Brotherly transparency. Expressing our feelings. We usually have more than one or two, which I know that's hard to believe, but it's hungry and angry are not the only two. Right? But I do want to encourage us as, as men that I think this is a key component to a, having a great friendship. Is not f- keeping people at arm's length when it comes to our feelings. And even learning how to say, I need you. I'm sad. Or I want to cry. And not feel that that's going to hurt your friendship. In fact, according to scripture, that enhances it. How can you be knit soul to soul to somebody and be afraid to share who you really are? I think we, I think we, I think we can grow in that, brothers. And you can call me to it; we can call each other to it. But let's not use this as a model and then skip over the affection part. <clears throat> it's all a model to us, right? <clears throat> I'm running out of time. I got like this new. Ser- these two services, man. You got to get in and get out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bam got another service coming in, bro, come on, get with it, get with the program, Sherwin's going to start looking at me with that eye, you know what I'm saying, start looking at his watch, that's all right, in conclusion, but, uh, you know, he says, go in peace, for we've sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, who have you sworn friendship with, and in whose name? Sometimes we swear friendship to one another, but it's in the name of the Falcons. Or it's in the name of the spirits. Ooh, did I touch a nerve? I mean, hey, that's who I was. That's definitely who I was before as a Christian. I got drunk every weekend. I mean, that was just me. I'm not proud of it. I'm just being, just trying to tell you the type of person that I was at one point in my life, you know? There was one point in my life, I got, and sometimes it started on Wednesday night and Thursday and Thursday. You know, college days and early 20s. I mean, and, the, and I bonded, you know, bonded with people you know, drinking and the spirits bonded us, right? Some of us have relationships like that. In the name of sports or in the name of whatever activity, in the name of this, we're friends. But what about in the name of the Lord? And maybe you don't have peace in your relationships because you haven't figured out how to be connected to each other in the Lord. Instead of just the externals and the superficial and the, this level instead of the soul level. Let's fight for that soul level so we can have peace in our relationships. And next week, we'll talk more about what he means when th- this, this moment is going to come into play. And we'll talk more about that next week. Where they said, the Lord is a witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants. And then David left and Jonathan went back to town. The very last time that David and Jonathan see each other, and this is the, where we're really close, is, this is the last time they see each other. David's on the run. Jonathan finds out about it and risks everything once again and leaves where he is to go find, find David. And uh, it says, and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horus and helped him find strength in God. That's what we need to do for each other. Help us find strength in God. That's a true soul-to-soul friend. Sometimes we try to help people find strength in, in, our, in uh, one another more than God. Sometimes we get that mixed up. You know, sometimes we think we can't be happy Christians unless, you know, this person is really nice to me or unless the, the church leaders treat me right, or or just members of the church, or they do the things I want to do at the church, or the programs are right, or whatever. And we can, you know, sometimes we can get with people and, hey, how are you doing? And sometimes we don't talk about God that much, and we don't maybe even read a passage with them, and we might not even pray, or, and it's just this, you almost bond them to yourself. Sometimes we can fall into that trap. I want to bond you to my friendship. I'm a good friend. I know how to be a good friend. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to pat you on the back. I'm going to tell you you're not that bad. I'm going to remind you how awesome you are. But sometimes we don't necessarily help people find strength in God. Because that's where ultimately the source is. But I don't know. Sometimes you got to say, I don't even know what to say to you right now. Let's just pray. I don't even know what to say. What you just shared is kind of overwhelming. And I love you. Let's pray. And maybe God will lead us to some passages that can fortify you in this moment because I love you. And I I can't be everything you need in this moment. I'm just another person with my own problems and my own sin. But I want you to find strength in God because God can help you. God is there for you. And those are the types of soul-to-soul relationships that we all need. And, um, And next week, you know, we'll... We'll talk a little bit more about David and another relationship that he had uh, with somebody who was deeply connected with Jonathan. But then, day, what can we learn? Let's commit to being intimate with God in our own lives first. Amen. You know, let's make it our ambition to honor God individually, and then we'll have something to offer somebody else in a great relationship. You know, soulmates is not just for married people. We can have we can have those soul to soul relationships with anyone. If we really honor God first and deep friendship does require humility and and sacrifice. Yeah, you might bow down. You might have to give people things that mean something to you that even make you weaker. If you make them stronger, sometimes that's what soul to soul, deep relationships require. And let's not be sentimental. If we're going to make a covenant with each other in the Lord, let's hold on to it. Even if sometimes even if our own blood family gets in the way, let's honor God with our relationships. And let's not be afraid of same sex affection. My goodness. Non-sexual intimacy is a good thing, and we need to seek after that. It's powerful. And let's help one another find our strength in God, not just how awesome we are, but how awesome God is. Amen? That's all the time I got. Thank you very much.